We're going to read God's word today before we begin the message, because this is the word that the message is from. Beginning in Genesis 46, verse 1. So Israel set out with all he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, the sons of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, the sons of Levi, the sons of Judah, the sons of Issachar, the sons of Zebulun, the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob and Padan Aram with his daughter Dina. All his sons and his daughters numbered 33, the sons of Gad, the sons of Asher. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah, and she bore to Jacob these 16 persons, the sons of Jacob's wife Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. The sons of Benjamin, these are the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob. There were 14 persons in all, the sons of Dan, the sons of Naphtali, these are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Rachel, and she bore these to Jacob. There were seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came to Egypt, his direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's sons, were 66 persons in all, and the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. Now he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh, and, and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household, who are in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him and rescued him and granted him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, and he made him governor over Egypt. Now a famine came over all Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers there the first time. On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family was disclosed to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent word and invited Jacob his father and all his relatives to come to him, and Jacob went down to Egypt. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this beautiful Sunday morning that you've brought us together. Help us honor you and truly help us do your will. Let us, guide you, let us be guided by your word and truly be close with you, God. Here we are. Send us. Here I am. Send me. It's no easy task, Lord, but you are our God. And all we have to do is have faith. So right now we have faith in you that you will bring the word, that you will guide our ears, that you will teach as you taught, and we wholly trust in you. And we pray these things with Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been going through the life of Joseph here at church, and I want to remind everyone that we all have a Joseph story. You do not have to be called Joseph to have a Joseph story. 
That being said, I would like to share with you my Joseph story. So I was really young. Uh, I was in like second or third grade. And my parents will know this story. And it was hot out. It was at the end of the school year. And we were going out to play kickball. I'm in the back of the line. I don't know why I was there. I'm hot. I'm really warm. And I'm thirsty. Actually, I'm thirsty now. This is all I could think about was water. 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 And then there's a, there's a bubbler. There it is. <laughs> Saved. And then, but all of a sudden, nobody is drinking from this bubbler. Nobody's drinking from the fountain. And I think to myself, idiots, what are you doing? Why aren't you drinking this water? <laughs> I could have just pushed them aside like this. They're all standing around. They're all looking at the bubbler like they were, they're about to see me just drink and quench my thirst. And then I fall like down into a manhole like 12, 15 feet straight down. And then I look up and I go, idiot! <laughs> I was perfectly fine, despite the broken manhole cover in the bottom. I landed on my feet. Um, of course, my mother comes rushing down the street <laughs> with my brother, and she's, she makes me emotional. She's all reared up and ready to protect her son, but I'm completely fine. And, you know, the fire department pulls me out. They got the purple gloves on. They're checking, my, they're checking my ribs and everything. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Can I just go play kickball now? That's just a little bit of my literal Joseph story. The only difference is, is instead of my brother betraying me and throwing me into a pit, I betrayed myself and threw myself into a pit. The point is, it's not all going to be that literal. You're not going to fall into a pit. You might not be called Joseph. The point is, is that we all have a Joseph story. Now you're probably thinking, well, that's great. Joseph was a great guy, second in command in all of Egypt, perhaps all of the world. Wow. However, however, we must not forget how Joseph was brought to this place. In Genesis 45, 7, God brought Joseph to Egypt to make a great deliverance of Israel. That was the purpose. That's why Joseph was brought to Egypt. That's what we keep in mind throughout all of this because everything that Joseph went through was to make this great deliverance. I also want to share with you a short quote that I heard Dr. Charles Stanley share in a message this week. And he said, our adversities are God's universities. Who is sick of the trials? Go ahead, raise your hand. I'm going to raise two because I'm sick of it. I've had enough. Check it out. No more trials, I say. But do you know after gold and silver is mined, it goes into a, a refiner's furnace? Hot, hot, high heat so that the dross, the impurities, can be removed. These are the trials. Diamonds are made from compressed carbon. Quite literally, a, a lump of coal under great pressure is squeezed and squeezed. Then it becomes a beautiful and shining diamond. Our adversities are surely God's universities. It is where he teaches us. We must only have faith. Because I tell you today that God has a plan for us all. So the title of today's message is God's Sovereign Plan. The reason why, and from the key verses in verse 3 and 4, that I have titled God's Sovereign Plan is because in Genesis 46, we see that God is revealed as sovereignly able to bring his plan to pass. If you come away with one thing today, I want it to be this. God wants you to have faith. He wants you to have faith that in his sovereignty, he has a fantastic plan for your life. So our three major points are this. God 
God makes a promise for his sovereign plan. God gives proof for his sovereign plan. And God provides protection for his sovereign plan. So let's start out with the promise. Because everyone wants to know that God has a promise for their lives. So we see here in verses 1 and 2 that God's promised plan brings fellowship with God. So first I want you to see here that God wishes to commune with us. He wishes to have fellowship with us. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifice to the God of his father Isaac. I want you to notice here that the first thing that Jacob does is he honors God. This is how we are all going to start out figuring the promise that God has for us, this promised plan. And then what happens after Jacob honors God, God speaks to Israel. He speaks to him. He speaks to Jacob. Now you might be saying, well, I don't know his plan. I don't, I don't want to honor God. Well, let me tell you right now that if you will honor God, if you will have faith, he will speak to you. Now, don't misinterpret this. It's a very, very small percentage who actually hear an audible voice. I can assure you right now that you will hear from God in his word. You will also hear from God through his church. As I am speaking to you right now from God's word, are you not hearing from God? Are you not hearing from God that he has a plan for your life? Amen. He has a plan for your life. So this is why I want you to know, please do not forsake the assembly. Please, please come to church. Please stay in the word. Honor God. Pray without ceasing. Have faith. Because I can guarantee you that God has a fantastic plan for your life. Next, we see that God's promised plan brings encouragement through greater understanding of him. And that's an important thing to know. He said, I am God, the God of your father. So God tells us that he has a plan, but then he says, I am God. I am God. Now, let me tell you this. If I come to you and I say, Joey has a plan for you, you might say, okay, what is it? It's great, I promise. All right, well, I'll, I'll see. I'll see when it happens. It matters who is telling you. My grandfather always said, consider the source. Consider the source. God, God, not me. God is telling you that he has a plan. Jacob honors God. God speaks to him, and then he reminds Jacob who he is. I am God, the God of your father. That is encouraging. If it wasn't encouraging enough to know that God has a plan, let it be encouraging that who God is, it is that God, he has a plan. Amen? Not only are you going to be encouraged, but there's going to be comfort because God's promised plan brings comfort through greater understanding of him. So now he says, I am God. And now he's going to say, look at here. I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt and I will also surely bring you up again and Joseph will close your eyes. Remember again, these are the key verses. This is the point of the passage. This is where we see the whole message this morning. I will make you. I will go down with you. I will also. Joseph will close your eyes. Right then and there, that is the promised plan. Is God not promising Jacob something right there? I will. I will. I will. Joseph will. Will. He will do it. This is God's promised plan. And that is comforting. It's comforting. I was born for a reason. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He did knit me together in my mother's womb. There is a reason for all of these trials. In Jacob's mind, there was a reason that he was separated from his son Joseph. That is comforting. Amen? That is truly comforting. God's promised plan comes with provision to carry it out. Now you might be saying, all right, well this is great that God has a plan for me, but I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. 
Well, not only is he promising you a plan, he's going to give you the provision to carry it out. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones with their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent. Well, Pharaoh did that. Well, do you not know that the heart to God is like channels of water, and God directs it every which way? God provided. The provision is from God. That's how Jacob made it there, is from God. So do not be concerned this morning. Do not be concerned. I only want you to do one thing. Have faith. Have faith. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. My yoke is light. It's very easy being yoked with Jesus Christ. He provides the plan. He encourages you. He comforts you. And then he gives you the provision to do it, the strength to do it. It's a beautiful thing. We just have to believe in him. We just have to have faith. God's promised plan comes with power to complete it. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and he arrived in Egypt. I kind of want to touch on what Pastor Gilson brought out last week when Jacob arose. Well, last, last week we, we heard that Jacob was right, reinvigorated. He was strengthened once he heard the good news. Power. Jacob arose, and then, fast-forwarding, he arrived. God will give you the strength. God will give you the power. Have you ever tried to do something and failed? It's obvious. Come on, Joey. There's a one-legged duck swimming circles. Yeah. It's obvious. But God is going to provide the power when you do it. It's not just like when you're going out to work and you're trying to do something on your own or you're driving. Perhaps you've gotten into an accident, you've made a mistake, you've tripped and you've fallen. Now, who has tried to serve God in their own strength? I can tell you I've done it. Let me tell you something about preaching. It's going to surprise you. Believe it or not, it's a work of faith and grace. Who would have thunk it? Do you know that when you come up here, you just have to believe? And you know what grace is? It's undeserving. I don't deserve it. Well, you know why I'm preaching right now? You deserve it. You say, no, we all don't deserve it. You deserve it because God says you deserve it. It's that simple. Jesus loves you so much. He wants you to know what a fantastic plan he has for your life. And don't you worry, because no matter what he calls you to do, he will provide the power to do it. God's promised plan is a blessing to others. They took their livestock and their property, Jacob, all his descendants with him, his sons, grandsons, daughters, granddaughters, all his descendants he brought to Egypt. When we walk in God's plan, everyone, everyone around us is blessed. Are you not blessed this morning? because there is someone behind this pulpit not naming me. No, I'm serious. It doesn't matter whether it's me or someone else. I'm supposed to be here. It doesn't matter that I'm me. Don't look at me. I am just doing what God wants me to do this day, this hour, this minute. And that is why you are hearing the word. So let this preacher this morning and the preacher next week and the preacher at the week after and every preacher who's on the airwaves, on television, every preacher who is truthfully preaching God's word and encouraging the saints and building them up, constructing them pillar by pillar by the grace of God, let it be known to you that because they are walking in God's will that you are blessed and you can do it too. Amen.
you can do it too. Your whole family will be blessed. I guarantee it. Not because it's my guarantee, but because it's God's guarantee. Now, how many times have we said, oh, but God, what about this? What am I going to do? Oh, God, I don't know if you saw that. Who, what, when, where, how, why? And you're, you're slinging out the whole grammar textbook to God, and you're like, who, what, when, where, how, why? I don't understand any of it. Well, he does. Who are we to question God? At the beginning, I said that our adversities are God's universities, right? Who has been through greater adversities than Job? Oof. Job. I wouldn't want to walk in that man's shoes. Remembering the beginning of Job that it was all done because the accuser of the brethren, Satan, was going around accusing, and God says, oh, look at my servant Job. Fast-forwarding, God says, Job is in your hands. And by the end of it, Satan learns, well, God's sovereign in control. You'd think he would have learned by now, but he hasn't. But at the end of the book of Job, you know how I said that we're all questioning God? Well, Job questions God, pretty much says, why? And then God says, who the heck are you, Job? Who do you think you are? Did you set the stars in the sky? Did you make the firmament? Does Leviathan play with you as sport in the ocean? Who do you think you are, boy? Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are, questioning God? It's ridiculous. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, and everyone will be blessed. So we saw that God makes a promise for his sovereign plan. But not only does he promise the plan, he gives you proof. He gives you proof. Proof for God's sovereign plan is right before our eyes. Now there are the names of the sons of Israel, and obviously we kind of cut pieces out here because it's just a bunch of names. Go back and read all the names. Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt, all the persons, all the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. So God makes this promise to Jacob, and then Jacob says, okay, he honors God, God speaks to him, encourages him, gives him this proof, uh, gives him this promise, and then Jacob gets to see everyone is going with him. Everyone is going with him. Let me tell you that when God makes a promise to you, you will see it unfold right before your eyes. You will do it. And if you, want, if you say, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Joe. I, I, don't, I don't really know what God wants me to do. Well, I'll tell you right now, he wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants you to be in his word all the time. And he wants you to come to church. And on that last note, when you do come to church, just start serving. Just plug yourself in. AV, cafe, usher, evangelism, missions, cleaning. Remember, the greatest among you will be a servant. We're all servants. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, remember that Jesus came and he was a servant. He washed the feet. So praise God when we can be in serving positions. You will see once you start serving that God will enable you right there. And then don't, don't start feeling stressed and all these things. Just trust God. Take it in stride. Remember that Jesus often receded into the wilderness to spend time with his father. Sometimes they couldn't even find him. Because what was most important in our Lord's life? Time with his father. It's the same for us. That is paramount. Don't let any service that you do take you away from your time with God. You'll see it unfold right before your eyes. And then you'll see it in multiple ways. You won't just see it here you're going to see it there and everywhere. In the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim. So when Jacob makes it to Egypt, he sees that not only does he have Joseph, 
But Joseph has two sons and a wife. Wow. So his whole family that was with him in Canaan, in the land of Canaan, now he comes to Egypt, to the land of Goshen, and he meets his son, his son Joseph and his two sons. This is outstanding. You're going to see it in multiple ways. This is what we want to see here. So you're going to see the impact here at Grace Gospel Church. You're going to see it at work. You're going to see it at home. You're going to see it in the car. You're going to see it on the road. Everywhere you will see God's plan. I want to make an important distinction that you don't just punch in and punch out when you come to church. Like, nope, not a a punch card. You're not going to get, you know, when you come the seventh time, you're not going to get a cone of ice cream, okay? You're You're not going to get that next freebie. You're not just coming here to punch the card. You're coming here to encourage one another daily so you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3.13. Further on in Hebrews, so we're not forsaking the assembly. Why? So we can encourage one another. We don't punch in and punch out of church, one, because that's not what we're supposed to be doing, but the main reason is, is because this is part of our relationship with God. Christ is the head, we are the body. It's amazing. We have a relationship here. Everything flows out of this. You don't just minister to someone and say, oh, that's it. No, you love them. We love one another. That's how the world, that's how the world will know that we are his, amen? That's what we see. Everywhere, multiple ways, we will see this. I actually want to say one more thing about proof. Because you might be saying to yourself, I don't see anything. Actually, step back. I don't see anything, Joey. I don't see the proof. Well, I want to say to you, did he not save you from death and condemnation? Are you not sealed by the Holy Spirit right now, holding on to the fact that he will never leave you nor forsake you? Can you not witness the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, teaching you right from wrong? Surely God tells you what to and what not to do. Is that not evidence that God is working in your life, that he has a plan? And you might be still saying, Joey, I don't know. Well, let me tell you right now, that Jesus loves you, that God does have a plan for your life. And all you have to do is profess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart that he died and rose again on the third day, and you will be saved. You will be saved, sealed for the day of redemption, written in the Lamb's book of life. You will be saved. All you have to do is believe. You will be with God forever in heaven. You will do not have to fear hell. You do not have to be separated from him forever if all you do is believe. You say, Joey, I want that plan. I want to know that I will live forever because I can assure you death feels awkward, doesn't it? feels more than awkward. It's just not right. You want to know why it's not right, why it feels wrong when somebody dies? Is because we weren't created to die. But it is the, wage of sin is, the wages of sin is death. But praise be to God, because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he came, he died. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? It is gone. You just believe. He tore the veil. He tore the veil. You have faith. You have faith. You believe in God. You believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And you say, Joey, I don't know if I can. It is grace. It is grace through faith. It is the free gift of God for whosoever believes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. It's that simple. You just believe. He will give you the grace. You say, Joey, I want it. You do it right there and there in your seat. And I guarantee you you will be saved.
Now, you might be saying this is great. Promise, proof. Well, now, protection. Because God doesn't just promise us. God doesn't just promise us his plan. He shows proof. He shows proof for his plan. And then he protects it. He protects his sovereign plan. Isn't that amazing? You would say, well, God is sovereign. He can just do it anyways. Well, he's still going to show us how he protects it. You think my mother is a guard dog? You think my mother is... Skid, skid, woo. I, very territorial. Well, you know what it says in the Old Testament? That our God is a jealous God? My mother is a jealous mother. My father's something different. He just pulled me by the ear anyways. Get over here, boy. Oh, my mother was very jealous over me and my brother to protect us. It was out of love. God is a jealous God. He wants to protect us. Us. And he's going to protect us while he's protecting our plan, his plan for our life. Protection of God's sovereign plan is through guidance. God ensures that his plan cannot be thwarted. He protects his plan through guidance. So Judah was sent before him to Joseph to point out the way. And then they came into the land of Goshen. So that's what happened here. Jacob sent Judah before him to Joseph so he would know where to go. So I've told you that God has a plan for your life. I told you that you've seen it. Perhaps you've already remembered ways that God has, has shown to you that he has a plan. But sometimes you feel a little lost. You don't know exactly where to go. Wouldn't it be really nice if, you know, you could wake up in the morning and someone showed up and said, all right, Come on, wake up. You're going to read John today. You're going to read John chapter 5. You're going to read the whole chapter. Then you're going to read it again. Then you're going to go brush your teeth and go to the bathroom. Then you're going to read it again. You're going to read it again. Wouldn't it be nice? Someone holding us accountable like that? Wouldn't it be nice? There was a whole group of people told us what to do. Read the word every day. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Wouldn't it be great if we met every Sunday and we told one another to do that? Wouldn't it be great twice a month we got together and prayed so we could bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ? Wouldn't that be great? Ding, ding, ding. If you thought I was talking about church, I was. I was. Come to church. Because he is going to bring guidance. He's going to show you the way. Don't just look for the supernatural writing on the wall, and I'm not saying it can't happen. You don't put God in a box. God can do everything. But let me tell you one thing. If you're not praying without ceasing, if you're not in the Word every moment of the day, if you're not thinking of it, meditating on it, even at night, if you're not spending time with God, if you're not at church, why would he write on the wall? If you can't even do what he told you to do, why is he going to do something greater? Makes sense, right? Start there. And I'm not saying the writing on the wall will ever come. But I'll tell you one thing. When you're in the Word every day, you're not going to be looking for it, friend. Because you already found the writing. You found the living Word of God found the living word of God. Come here, and someone like Judah will point out the way, and God will make sure that his plan cannot be thwarted, and you will make it to where you're supposed to go. Protection of God's sovereign plan is through fellowship and joy. Fellowship and joy. Joseph repaired his chariot and went up to meet his father. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time time. Probably about since Joseph was 17 years old, he was separated. You better believe he wept and he cried. As we heard in other messages prior, as you've been reading through Genesis prior to this week, you know that Joseph at one point couldn't even contain himself when he met his brothers. 
couldn't contain himself. When he saw his father, he fell on his neck and wept a long time. Let me tell you, this was not sadness or sorrow. This was joy. This was joy. This was finally, this is what he had hoped for. He had faith. Now you might be saying, Joey, I have no joy right now. I have no joy right now. Fellowship even is difficult. I feel alone. I have not experienced this yet. Well, then I ask you, are you at this point in the story? Because don't forget that Joseph was thrown into a pit. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph was in a foreign land that worshipped pagan gods. Joseph interacted with people that I'm sure gave him great anxiety. You ever talk to someone who has importance and power? You ever go to court, perhaps, even? You see the judge? Scary. Well, how do you think Joseph felt? That was scary. And then, the scary man, his wife, his wife is trying to tempt him. Then she lies. Then he's thrown in prison. What did Joseph have? Did Joseph have joy there? Joseph had faith. Joseph had faith. God was with Joseph. Jesus was a man of sorrows, but he humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. And he died for you and me while we were yet still sinners. And why did he do all of this for us? For the joy that was set before him. Amen? For the joy that was set before him. Let me tell you this, church. When you have no hope, you hold on to hope. That doesn't make any sense, Joey. Yes, it does. You hope that there will be hope. You hope in Christ. He is the anchor of our salvation. He is the anchor of our hope. You hope in God because he will make a way. Hope for hope. Have faith. Have faith. God will make the way. And if we haven't seen it thus far, I hope you realize it now, that God will bring that fellowship and joy. Continue, wa continue walking in God's plan for your life. Continue praying. Continue reading. Continue coming to church. Continue praying. Continue reading. Continue coming to church. And if they rip the word from you, if they rip the brethren from you, the word is sealed in your heart. And you say it to yourself over and over and over and over again. You put on the full armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of truth, that is the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Your feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Gird up and go. Trust. Trust in God and have faith when you keep on the full armor of God. I had a conversation with my mother once. We were talking about temptations and trials. Now she claims I said this, and I don't remember. But someone said, you go to sleep in that armor. You don't take it off. Who's ever had bad dreams? Who's ever done the most despicable thing while streaming? And you wake up and you're not, you, you, you don't know what, rea what reality is anymore. You're just sweating. You're like, I can't believe I did that. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not saying bad dreams will never happen, but the closer you are to God you're going to start spitting scripture out in your dreams. I'm not kidding. It'll happen. You don't take that armor off, friend. Now, I've told this to the young adults once. That helmet there that protects the old noggin rolling around, it doesn't come off. Can't come off. It's not coming off. That's the helmet of salvation, friend. You can't take it off. Satan can't take it off. That person who's persecuting you can't take it off. 
They cut off your head. That helmet goes with you and you go straight to heaven. If you have nothing else and they've made it through the breastplate and your, sh- and your sword is snapped in two and that shield of faith will protect you. That shield of faith. You believe in God. But then when that shield is kicked aside and you have no faith, it's gone. And the enemy laughs and spits in your face. You say, oh God, Lord. And you feel that iron-clad helmet on your head. Then you pick up the, sh- the shield and then you pick up the sword, and then you put your breastplate on again, then you put your boots on again, and you fight, friend. You fight. You can do it. Because God is with you. God is with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that fellowship and joy, that's just evidence, my friend. And he's going to bring it to total fulfillment in your life. Now let me die. Jacob says. It's not saying he literally wanted to die right there. He was so fulfilled. He was so content. I'd be happy if I died right now. Peace. Perfect peace. This is how God protects his plan. He's going to give you total fulfillment. Total fulfillment. You'll be in want of nothing, church. You'll be in want in nothing. You will be fulfilled. If you have nothing else, you will be fulfilled. Protection of God's sovereign plan is through intercession. Now this is a really important one, and I really like this one. Joseph said to his brothers, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, okay, Joseph is going to go speak on his brothers, on his family's behalf. You ever been in a complete loss of words? I know I have. You ever felt like, I don't know what to do? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to read. Someone will come around, take you by the shoulder, spin you around, say, don't you worry. I got this. I got this for you. You ever go to the gym and you're throwing up in the bench press? You got more plates on that bar than you should have. And there's your, there's your wingman right there making sure that you don't get clocked in the chest by 200 pounds. Picking it up. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We spot one another. We make sure that we don't get crushed under the weight. That's why my favorite, favorite, favorite verse to share with my young adults is Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Intercede for one another. But you know what? If you go to the gym without a friend and you throw up too much weight, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get sorely hurt. Life-altering injury. You'll never be able to throw up that weight again except by the grace of God and the hands of the physicians that he gives the wisdom to fix you. But it may never be the same. I can't promise you that. Go with a friend to the gym. Don't go anywhere alone. One of my favorite proverbs is, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. You ever hear that one? He who separates himself seeks his own desire. That's a convicting one. Wow. Don't separate yourself. Because the enemy goes around like a prowling lion seeking who he can devour. When I was in basic training, you don't go anywhere without a wingman. When you're in the army, you don't go anywhere without a battle buddy. That's for a reason. They're teaching you something. You're stronger together. You're stronger in numbers. But remember this. Well, Joey, I didn't have anything to do with it. I was separated. Are you ever really truly alone? Not if you believe in Jesus Christ. Because he's always with you. He's there in the valley. He's there on the mountaintop. You are never alone. And when you can't throw up that spiritual weight, guess who takes it? Christ takes it. Amen? Christ takes it. And he should have had it in the first place. You don't lift a single 
finger except by the grace of God. You don't do anything except by the grace of God because the minute that you do it, you will fail and you will fail hard, friend, but the righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. You get up courageously. You get up courageously. Someone will intercede for you, but don't forget our sympathetic high priest who is interceding for us even now. Protections of God's plan is through wise counsel. Joseph told them what to say. He gave them the words. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, seek out wise counsel. Talk to the elders. Talk, about that, talk to that mature woman in the faith. Talk to your friend that you know he's walking with God, that she's walking with God. Talk to your brother. Talk to your sister. Talk to your son, because he can speak out of the mouth of babes. Go out in nature, because all of creation will proclaim his majesty. You will receive wise counsel. You just got to ask. You just got to ask. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? This is what you shall say. Now, I want to make a really strong point. This is one of my last points here. Protection of God's sovereign plan is not by sinful deceit. So I'm going to read this whole one for you now. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You, so, you shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. You shall say, Joseph told them what to say, but now you're scared. Loathsome? They're going to hate me. They're going to hate me. I don't know if I want to say that. No, that's the wise counsel right there. That's what you say. God's not going to protect his plan through deceitfulness. What if they lied? They didn't. But what if they lied? Would God have honored that? You can look back into the pattern of lying and deceitfulness that happened in Abraham and in Isaac and Jacob's life. Abraham lied about Sarah. Right? Remember that? Isaac and Jacob. Jacob had a great pattern of lying. We can see it all through Scripture. Did God honor that? No. Did his plan still come to pass? Yes. You can't thwart God's plan. Even you can't do it. But don't do it by de sinful deceit because it's not going to be fun. I mean, you reap what you sow still. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Do it the right way. Tell the truth. You've all heard that old saying, the truth will set you free. Well, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Walk in Christ. And what does it say that Christ is? He is the Word. Speak the words of Christ. You ever been scared to share the words of Christ with someone? Scared of the persecution? Well, what did Jesus say? You are not greater than your master, are you? You will be persecuted as he was persecuted, but let that be encouraging to you. Let that be comforting to you. Because what has happened to your Lord is happening to you. It is evidence that you aren't speaking the truth. Do not be afraid, church. Do not be afraid. Speak the truth. God does not provide protection through deception. God does not provide protection through deception. Remember that. That's the one warning I have for you this morning. Speak the truth. God will protect you. And then Pharaoh calls you, you shall say that you may live. I said earlier that the heart of the king is like channels of water. Do not be afraid further. God will protect you even from the leaders because he appointed them. He put them in power. And if you are to be persecuted, then it is God's will. And you say, why God? What did I say? It's okay to say why. But rather, I'd have you say this. What is God trying to teach me? Because if you're burned at the stake for a martyr, God's ways are higher than our ways. God has a purpose for it. And remember, that helmet never comes off. Be brave, be courageous, because your Lord died on that cross for you. I don't think, I don't think any of you is going to have to do that. But if you're not being burned at the stake, 
I think you surely can be courageous even to that because Jesus Christ humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. So be afraid not even of rulers because God's sovereign plan is enforced upon rulers. They can't do nothing about it. So in conclusion, church, I want to hear it. Does God have a plan for your life? Does God have a fantastic plan for your life? Is God sovereign? Is he working? Is he going to bring the work that he started to completion in you? If he saved you by grace, you better believe, church, he's going to sanctify you by grace. Amen? This morning we saw God's sovereign plan. We saw that God is revealed as sovereignly able to bring his plan to pass. Why? You said it. Because God has a fantastic plan for your life. Have faith. Have faith in his sovereignty that he has a fantastic plan for your life. God makes a promise for his sovereign plan. God gives proof for his sovereign plan. And God provides protection. Promise, proof, protection. Look for it, church. So I encourage you with this. I ask you to do this. Today, will you begin to realize that God has a plan for your life? Today, will you begin to have faith, have faith that God will bring that fantastic plan to pass in your life? Will you do that? I want to read a piece of poetry for you before I close in prayer. I want you to listen. I want you to listen well. If we could see beyond today as God can see, if all the clouds should roll away, the shadows flee, o'er present great griefs we would not fret, each sorrow we would soon forget. For many joys are waiting yet for you and for me. If we could know beyond today as God doth know, why dearest treasures pass away and tears must flow, and why the darkness leads to light, why dreary paths will soon grow bright, someday life's wrongs will be made right, but faith tells us so. If we could see, if we could know, we often say, but God in love a veil doth throw. Across our way, we cannot see what lies before, and so we cling to him the more. He leads us till this life is o'er. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to have life in Jesus. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning that you have placed us together. Thank you for how good and mighty you are. Thank you for you. Thank you that you have a plan. Thank you that you've promised it. Thank you that you've shown us the proof. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, that you are protecting it. And all we have to do is trust you, have faith, and you will bring it to pass. It doesn't matter what pit we may be thrown in. It doesn't matter who we are, where we are, because if we are sealed for the day of